Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just tell me, tell me what you know about Anal, and I'll confirm it. <laughs> Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am John R. Bray. And I am Heather B. Armstrong. And I just, I just now, two and a half weeks later, have a dryer again. Oh, you have a dryer? I do. I do. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, it's great. The thing is, there were so many people that responded, helpfully, I mean, not, not in a mean way, but helpfully just about hanging the clothes, mm-hmm. which I get, I I grew up like that. My parents used to hang a lot of clothes. But for one, you need a clothesline or something big enough to hang your clothes on, which I don't have because I had a dryer. Mm-hmm. So if I do a full load of laundry, I mean, I did one one load of laundry and hung everything to dry and it took almost five days <laughs> I because I had to flip things and rotate things and yeah. change position. And it's not... I guess if I had to transition to that, it'd be fine. But when you're used to just being able to throw them in the dryer and an hour later, you have clothes. Well, you didn't have a rope like hanging in your, in your house already ready to hang, you know, right. It's not like you had like a, the, what do they call them in the backyard where they had the ropes? Oh, like a clothesline. Clothesline. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Pardon me. I, I, I mistakenly drank a, like a five hour energy drink this morning to see if it would help me with my energy levels. And I'm weirdly fucked up. <laughs> like buzzing now. Like there's a lot of caffeine in that man. <laughs> Whoa. You'll have to text me and let me know if you come down super hard afterward. I've always right. wondered that about those. It's the first time I've ever done that. Um, but you don't have like the, the clothesline clips or, you know, anything for prepared to hang your clothes up. That would make it easy, especially if, if it was outside, it would dry a lot faster than it's drying, lying on your couch or lying on your, on your, you know, your right. bed. Yeah. So that saga is now, is now complete. They actually had to take the door off the laundry room in order to fit it. So <laughs> oh, I had to put the door back on, which is, which is why we're starting recording a little late today. And I've only got like 36 loads of laundry to catch up on, which is awesome for a Tuesday. So, you know, here we go. Oh, we also have to, at some point, do a video or some sort of lesson about folding a fitted sheet because uh, we changed all of the um, bedding yesterday. So that's one, two, three, four, five beds. Yeah, five beds. And I have to fold five fitted sheets. And I am putting it off and dreading it like (laughs) I'm not going to do it. So they're just sitting in a heap pretty much. I'm yeah. fine with folding the sheet. I'm fine with folding the pillowcases. The fitted sheet is like my fucking enemy. It's my enemy. It's my nemesis. I should I should set up my phone on a tripod and just record a video folding the I've fitted sheet. I've seen the videos and I just can't replicate it. I just I think not... some of the videos overcomplicate it, honestly. Really? 
It's all about the corners and the pockets. The corners and, and I, the pockets. In, in all reality, I think if you hate folding fitted sheets, there might just be no tutorial that will help. Uh-huh. Because some people have just written them off completely, which I, I get. They're not the easiest to fold, but they're very satisfying once folded. They're very satisfying. I just like to get it to a point where I can just sort of, it's wadded, but it kind of looks folded. <laughs> like sort of in a square wadded sort shape. Wadded, wadded. It's kind of a wadded, like Florida shape is what it is. <laughs> a Florida shape. Oh, wow. Well, it's at least compact. Yeah. And my phone saga is over. Ah, you have a phone and you got paid for it? They oddly sent me a check, finally, after but after haranguing them and haranguing them and haranguing them and haranguing them and being on top. Like, I wasn't going to let it go. And I had to, like, spend a lot of time making sure that they were doing, holding up their end of the obligation. And what they were trying to do, I know that they were trying to do, was push me past the... um he had like a 30 day, um, like within 30 days, you have to make your claim and return your phone. So it was like they kept delaying and kept delaying and kept delaying and I was not going to let it go. And I was very polite to them, but I was like, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. And they finally sent me a check uh, and I cashed it the moment it hit my mailbox. And it cashed just fine and everything was okay? I'm still probably going at some point to warn people about my experience and I'm canceling that insurance on all of the other devices and yeah, it's finally over. Wow. So here we are. Yeah. And so I was like, let's take an energy drink. (laughs) Smart move. And now you're just going to vibrate through this entire episode. Well, like last week sort of took it out of me, man. Like... Last week was one hell of an emotional fucking, I wouldn't say roller coaster. Yeah, I guess it was a roller coaster, which is, I guess, a cliche to say. But I was supposed to have worked out with my trainer last Thursday, but she was busy, which turns out to be kind of in my favor because I sat down right like five minutes before the Senate hearings on Judge Kavanaugh began. I sat down at my desk to so start that's working. kind of a good thing. Well, you know, I guess we should back up. So this episode, we rambled a bit at the beginning just to give you updates on our broken devices. <laughs> and all of those things are really quite trivial compared to quite trivial, but they do else. just sort of like I mean, I spent so much time like you, you spent so much time dealing with what happens when something breaks, and I was dealing with like four different devices and like call after call after call after call and going to the Apple store and then making sure like if they don't give me the money, then I have to return the new phone within two weeks and like Apple care, do I get Apple? Like it was all like the stupid little minor details that you have to stay on top of. Like you have 14 days here and 30 days here and two days here and 60 days here. Yeah. Anyway, I was 16 uh, during the Clarence Thomas hearings. And I was raised in a very conservative Mormon household who listened to Rush Limbaugh every day. Like they had it turned on so that I heard him every day. Oh, wow. And was sort of brainwashed into thinking that 
she was making it up, that she was making more out of something than should have been made and that she was lying and that she was out to get him and that the whole thing just was nonsense. That was where I was at 16 years old when Anita Hill took, you know, she took the oath and gave her testimony. Do you, you probably don't remember, do you? I don't. Honestly, this situation that's going on now was really all that drew my attention to that. I was not aware of any of that. Really? I probably should have been. I mean, I, not at the time. I was too young to really you were six? pay attention to it. No, you were like five. Well, no. Yeah-ish, probably. Ish. Five, six. Yeah. Coincidentally, the Utah, the University of Utah Alumni House invited Anita Hill to speak 10 months ago. Oh, wow. At They, they hold a speaker series every year. Just totally randomly, they just... They just, yeah, they picked wow. her 10 months ago to speak the night or two nights before, or the night before, it was the night before, my God, it was the night before, and we um, had tickets, um, Cowboy is a contributor to the alumni house, and so we actually had solid tickets to get in, there was a line around the block, it was standing room only, like, it was a packed house. And she spoke for about an hour, and it was so generous. I wrote wrote an Instagram post about it, but it was so generous and thoughtful and not self-serving in any way whatsoever. And she got up and talked about the women who came before her so that she could do what she does and how she moves forward and what's important. And But the feeling that I got from the whole speech was just... She was so humble about her accomplishments in life and about um, her place in history and how she wanted to pay that forward. And the best part of the whole thing came in the Q&A where she spontaneously just told this story where she said, you know, I was part, she's a, she's a professor, I believe she's a professor. I'll look it up as you tell the story. Anyways, she was, was parking in an administrative, like an executive administrative parking space which she was allowed to do because she is one. And when she came out to get in her car, some parking person came up to her and was like, did you move the cone that was in front of this parking space? You're not supposed to park there. And she looked at the person and was like, I don't move, like in her head, she was like, I don't move cones. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? I'm not a person who moves cones. (laughs) And then she like, suddenly like the light bulb went off her head and she's like, wait a minute. That's exactly what I do. I move cones. I have moved cones for women. I have, that's what I have done, especially when we see what happens tomorrow. And that's what I, that's what the legacy that I want to leave for the women who come after me is let's move these cones for one another. And it was like the whole, like everybody in the audience just had chills when she told that story. And I conveniently, my mother had taken my kids to, taken Lita to dance and and she takes Marlo with her. I had conveniently not told my parents where I was going. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I just said, when you drop the kids off, we we will be at a lecture. (laughs) And she knows now, I take it. She knows now, yeah. Does she still feel the same about her today as she did then? So she texted me the next day and said that she had seen my post. And in the post, I talk about 
um, my own experience with sexual assault. Um, I don't go into detail about it. I haven't really ever gone into detail about it, but most of my women friends have experienced something akin to sexual assault and sexual harassment in their lives. I referenced it in the Instagram post, and she wrote to tell me that it was very raw for her to read, because she and I have talked about it. last. We talked about it last year, and she said it was very raw for her to read and hard, but that she was proud of me, and she was proud of the woman that I've become and what it has made, what it has opened her eyes to. And then she shared with me stuff that had happened in her life and stuff that had happened in my grandmother's life that I did not know about. Um, and it was very hard to read from her. I'm sure. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't, don't apologize. Um, very, very, very hard to read. Just thinking about what a strong, strong, strong woman my grandmother was. And of course, my mother <laughs> is the strongest person I've ever known. And how they came through what they went when what they went through is was horrific. But that sort of like set the stage for sitting down at my desk and listening to Dr. Ford's is it Dr. Ford? Yes. Yes. Sitting and listening to her testimony, which I and I was among sorry that I'm getting so emotional talking about this. I know that like I, I was, I had Twitter open and I was just scrolling through Twitter as she testified. Well, I scrolled through Twitter all day as I, I listened to the entire thing, by the way, from start to finish. Okay. I have not yet. Uh, no, the entire hearing. Oh. All day long. Wow. Um, but her testimony, especially like there were so many women just talking about how they were sobbing as they sat there and listened to her and people talking about their face groups, uh, their Facebook groups, um, sobbing and reliving their own trauma and like people were just crying as she testified and gave the details about like the most traumatic experience of her life i just felt like i was really 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 witnessing a moment in history i don't know if you saw any of it i have seen pieces of it but i have not seen a substantial portion yet you should watch the whole thing and you should show it to lexton i want to and i plan to and that's i mean i guess it to briefly just jump back we we decided to kind of talk about this because well because it's super important and very current but also because on my end it's just made me start to think a lot about personal accountability and how that how you teach that not just in these particular situations but across the board how you teach accountability and an understanding of accountability and what accountability is and what that looks like to a, a young child, to a teenager. And this has provided a really interesting dynamic to do that. Yes, it, it, it provides an interesting moment to do that, especially given Kavanaugh's testimony later on in the day and the difference in tone and right. manner and uh, the tenor with which he addressed the court or not the court, but the Senate, two completely different tones. She was so deferential and polite and wanted to answer everyone's questions and took a very, you know, this is an, an important thing, what you're doing, and I understand the gravity of it, and I am here not to determine whether or not he gets, you know, confirmed. I'm here to tell the truth, and he was... 
He came out with guns blazing and screaming. My God, the screaming. But with, and, and again, I haven't seen it all. I mean, I've only seen clips and, and read articles, but not even guns blazing, just like an angry child. Yeah. I read a really interesting article, and we'll have to link to this when we post the episode, but it was on currentaffairs.org, and it was about just really looking at the lies that he told in the hearing, and, and not necessarily these huge, grandiose lies, but just the little inconsistencies. Yeah. And comparing it to Dr. Ford, who had none. And it was really dissecting them. And as I was reading this, the thing that really hit me, uh, and I want to make it very clear that I believe he is lying. I stand behind Dr. Ford. But it, it hit me as I was reading this that even if the allegations were false, his behavior, his inability to understand and answer questions properly, his composure, he, he's unfit right. to serve. Even, even if none of this is true, that behavior is absurd from someone his, who wants his, to sit on the Supreme Court. His disposition was not fit for a judge. No, not fit for anything. Mm-hmm. It's the way he turned ridiculous. all of the questions back on to, like, how, what do you drink? How yeah, much do you, do you like drink? beer? Come do you on. like beer? Beer, 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 beer. The, one, the beer, ones that I beer, really beer. like is, do you drink, do you, you know, do you drink excessively? Have you drank excessively? Well, I went to Yale. Okay, well, <laughs> that is irrelevant, honestly. So... I mean, it's just in those situations, and I think Dr. Ford exhibited it, is that when you tell the truth, it's, you don't have anything to remember. The answer is very straightforward. It is what it is. Do you like beer? Yes, I do. Did you ever drink too much? Yes, I used to. When you have to just ramble and make excuses and it's, it's, it's worse. It's worse than the truth, honestly. Yeah. What what I really appreciated about the senators or at least the democratic senators (laughs) those fucking cowards hiring a woman to question her and then and then when she got to the meat of his testimony which was a certain date on the calendar july 1st of 1982 which shows that he actually could have attended a a um, gathering of which she described they basically took the power away from that woman and began questioning them themselves. Anyways, the Democratic senators, when they were addressing her, pointed out, you know, uh, a seasoned liar and somebody who wants to manipulate the you know, manipulate this whole process would come in and wouldn't have any missing pieces to their story. But you clearly are here telling, you're, you're basically saying, I don't remember the house. I don't remember the street. I remember four people being there. And I remember indelibly what happened to me and who it was and how they were laughing at me. But yes, there are missing pieces. And she kept saying, I wish I could be more helpful. And (laughs) which so many of the women that I follow on Twitter were saying, this is what we do. We want to be so helpful and deferential to the point that we are taken advantage of to the point where we are pushed around and not believed. I don't, I don't know if you watch uh, Last Week with John Oliver. Do you watch that show? I do watch it, but I'm not current on it. I watched the episode that aired on Sunday night last night. It was, it was a great way to laugh, sort of, 
at the the situation when all I've done really is fume and cry ever since witnessing it. I will have to watch that. It's a weird topic for me only because I've never experienced a personal trauma of that nature. So it's something that's impossible for me to directly relate to. But what I find really interesting is it, it doesn't take a big stretch for me to imagine that a girl at that age, having experienced something like that, would clearly remember the event, the thing that happened, and the people that were there, but maybe not the exact address or the color of the house or the mm-hmm. specific this or that. Like That to me is not hard to understand because that's not a significant detail. The significant detail is what happened to her. Someone on NPR this morning, a psychologist was talking about, she used the word like hippocampus in her testimony about how she remembered the laughter between the two men as this was happening to her. That's the thing that she remembers most vividly. And the psychologist was talking about what happens during traumatic events is um, certain colors or sounds or smells become embedded in the brain during that trauma. And other details become completely nebulous because the trauma has embedded even in the mo- like molecular level, the the sound of the laughter, um, the feeling of his hand on her mouth, and she thought that he was going to kill her. And so the details of where the house was and, and all those other things sort of faded away because the graphicness of what was occurring to her was so traumatic that it embedded itself so deeply. Um, yeah, I completely believe that. And, you know, people were talking about, you know, you know, mothers need to make sure that their daughters are watching this testimony. And then everybody was taking those people to task saying, no, have your sons watch this. Have your sons watch this and understand what consent looks like. And I saw a thread yesterday on Twitter from a woman who said, listen, I was really insecure in high school and college and would often put on suggestive clothing and I would get drunk and I would be with a man and he would sense that I was uneasy or he would ask me yes and I would give a, you know, a confused answer and he wouldn't rape me. He would walk away. Like that happened, you know, she can name like six instances where she was with a man in a dark alley and he began to kiss her and she sort of pulled away and he was like, oh, you're not into this. And he walked away. She was like, I've Which been in situations. What like, should happen? Yeah. I've been in situations where he could have completely taken advantage of me, but he knew better. So it wasn't the clothes that I was wearing or where I was and it wasn't what I was drinking. She said she had been sexually assaulted before, but the, the, the man who sexually assaulted her didn't take no for an answer. And that's where it lies. Absolutely. And so we have to have these conversations with our children. Right. And it's, it's a weird thing because it's like, it's not just sex. Like this idea of accountability and comfort and permission is in all things. It's just, these are always the moments that bring it to light. And it's hard to, it's no, let me start that. It's not hard to talk about it because it's honestly just fucking common sense. It should be. I mean, as a man raising a boy, 
It's common sense. And it's, it's really interesting. I think it was sometime last year, someone uh, put out a tweet kind of along, along these lines about talking to your sons, etc. And And I responded and said that I've been talking to Lexton about it for a couple of years. He was 13 at the time. And I, I'd been talking to him about it for a couple of years. And there were a lot of responses to my comment. And some people were saying, you know, no means no isn't enough. Like you need to also teach that yes means yes. So you need to teach this and that. And I think the bottom line is that there's not, there's not one conversation that you have over and over again. And it's not a conversation that you have once. Right. It's something you demonstrate and it's conversations that you continue to have. And right. I, I mean, I think I, I, I know I mentioned a few episodes ago that Lexton has been asking some really awesome questions to answer <laughs> and making some interesting observations. And I don't remember what the question was that he asked. And this was like a week or two ago, but he asked a question I was kind of talking to him about, about sex, somehow related to sex. And I kind of just intentionally tangented off and derailed it. And I said, there's, there's one thing that I really want to talk to you about with, with sex. And I said that the bottom line is that people are, are interested in all different sorts of things at different times or whatever the case may be. And I said, whatever you decide you're interested in is fine, but anything that you do with another person, you both have to be equally interested and comfortable with that. So it's not up to anyone else to decide whether, you know, what you like is okay. As long as the person that you're with is okay with it and you are okay with it. Mm -hmm. I said, if they're not, then you stop. And I said, the same should go in reverse. If you're not comfortable with something, then they should stop. That's how that works. I said, that is like the one foundational rule right. is that it has to be equal. These are ongoing conversations and they morph and they transform as our children get older, for sure. I mean, I've, I've, I've been talking to Lita about relationships and sex for, for a very long time and made it clear to her that she should come to me uh, with no fear uh, for any concern or question, if she's done anything, if she stumbled across anything, like come to me and talk to me. If you have a, a question or concern, I'm not going to get mad. That was like established very early on. Like I'm not going to get mad at you as, as long as you come and talk to me about it. I promise yeah. you that I will not get mad. Whatever That's exactly you have what done, I've done. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want you to be comfortable talking to me about these situations, which coincidentally, I have begun these conversations with Marlo two nights ago. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah, we, we'll get to that later. But And I emphasized, we, we continued talking about it last night as I put her to bed. And I emphasized, I said, Marlo, the one rule that we have in this family is that we get to talk to each other. And no matter what concern you have, I will not get mad at you. I will not get mad at you for stumbling across something or purposely looking for something as long as you come to me. And tell me and trust me that I won't get mad. So <laughs> uh, in the middle of the hearing, so it was, the hearing was on Thursday, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So for some reason that night, like my parents were taking um, either Marlo or Lita shopping for something and they showed up at my house. Oh, they were, sorry. They were taking Marla for the night because there was no school the next day. And 
I didn't want to miss. It was towards the end of the hearing and Cory Booker and Kamala Harris hadn't questioned him yet, which was like I was waiting for, for that moment like the whole day. And I had to walk to go pick up Marlo from from school. And so I have my headphones in and I'm listening to NPR on my phone as I'm walking to get Marlo. And I, when I get down there, my mother is standing outside of Marlon's school saying, no, 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 we're going to pick her up and take her back and pack her clothes and stuff. So <laughs> I forget that in the house, I have on the live um, stream from CNN on my computer, and it's so loud that it's oh, reverberating wow. around the house. And they make it back to the house before I do, and I walk in, and you can just... You can just, the the tension in the house was just palpable. And so I run down and I turn off my computer. And while my mom is trying to talk to me about what she's going to be doing with Marlo for the next two days, I've got a headphone in my ear as I'm like listening to the hearings oh, going on, trying to, trying to act like everything is perfectly fine. And I'm just like waiting for Cory Booker, waiting for Cory Booker, waiting for Kamala. And it was just like this circus of a day. But when it ended and... When all was said and done, like I was like, I need to go talk to Lita. Like Lita needs to understand, even though Lita didn't hadn't witnessed any of it, she needed to understand that that was a day in history. It will go down in the books. And those images will go down in the books. The testimonies will get down in the books. And I sat down and I said, I want to talk to you. And <laughs> and I've said this before. I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but this is this has been at the top of my brain for ever since it happened. But I like to approach my parenting without politicizing. Like I would like, again, I was raised extraordinarily in an extraordinarily conservative family and was taught and told what to believe and that certain people were evil and that certain women were, were overstepping their bounds. And so my approach to coming at them with politics has been, this is what is right and what is wrong. Not necessarily like this political stance is right or this political person is right. It's been, these are the principles that make a good human being. And you can decide for yourself upon seeing how people act and treat each other, you can decide for yourself what you believe. And if that means that you want to go to church, if that means that you want to join the college Republicans, like these are your decisions to make. Please don't join the college Republicans, right. please. <laughs> so I came to her and I sat down and I said, I kind of want to talk about what happened today. And she got a look on her face because I know that her father and his girlfriend are super, super political very, very, very active politically. And it's a huge topic of the conversation when she's there. And I said, I just, I just want you to know. And you all align relatively, right? Politically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I said, I'm not going to give you any long talk about this. I just want to let you know what happened today and let you know that, you know, there, and then we had a long conversation about her autonomy and her voice. I don't want to go into the specifics of it, but like, this is your body and you get to say what happens and what doesn't happen to it. And as you get older and as you go into relationships, like no, no person gets to do to you, to your body, anything that you don't want done to it. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And these conversations will evolve as she starts dating and as she goes on single dates. And, you know, she was like, I know, I, I, I get this. I get this. It's a little confusing for her because she's never even held a boy's hand yet. Okay. You know? Right. <laughs> that I didn't, I hadn't either at her age. I feel like it's such a confusing society is making such a confusing statement because you tell her that and it's true and she knows it. But then there's all these stories of when a woman said no and she asserted herself about her own body and no one listened. Right. So again, that's like, it, it doesn't come back to the women. It doesn't. I, I just, that's why I said it's common sense. Well, you think it's common sense. Like you don't go into a store and take something and leave. Like you don't, you don't just take, but somehow when it comes to the physical, for so many people, that boundary is blurred. Well, his, so there's so many layers to his circumstances. The way he kept yelling about how he had no ties to Yale, which is a lie, because his grandfather went to Yale. Right. He got into Yale by his own, through his own effort, through his own work. Like, he had to work hard to get into Yale, get into Yale, get into Yale. He did that himself. He got into Yale himself. And it's like, motherfucker, sit down. Sit the fuck down. You went to, you went to a, you lived in one of the most expensive parts of the country and went to a fucking private high school. Stop. You're white. You're a white frat boy. Stop. Like, shut up. Sit down. Like, yesterday, Kelly actually was talking about this. Like, we all need to take a look at how privilege has played a part in each of our lives and where it has gotten us. And I wanted to, I didn't tweet this because I was walking out the door, but my valid, my, the speech that I gave at graduation as a valedictorian, <laughs> I go off about how I had earned what I had earned and that's what you have to do in life is you have to work hard and I got where I was because I had worked my ass off I didn't say ass of course because I was a good little Mormon girl and somebody should have slapped me and sat me down sat me the fuck down like insufferable little Heather Hamilton like do you have any idea how privileged you are to be where you are There has to be so much about his upbringing that led him to believe that it was okay to act in the manner in which he did. There has to be. Right. Or or not even something specifically there, but something 
glaringly in the absent. culture. There was something in the culture that in which he was brought up, right? Or or that's what I mean, or something absent from that culture mm-hmm. that kind of led to that. Like there's something that would have triggered that. I mean, I've seen a lot of tweets from actors in the '80s who were like, "Does, does nobody remember?" the rape culture of the 80s like this this the rape culture of the 80s was like it wasn't even called rape it was just like you get a girl drunk and you take advantage of her this privileged white culture of doing that you know i'm it still exists today for sure and it's educating our kids about you know do we associate with people who are okay with that do we associate in circles who are okay getting blackout drunk at 17 years old I mean, those are right. also the conversations we have to have about alcohol and parties and who we associate with. And Lita, uh, twice this weekend, I took her over to her friend's house and I'm like, who's going to be there? And I was like, are there going to be any boys there? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, why am I laughing about that? But I, oh my God, I'm a mom. I had to ask my, my child, are there going to be any boys there? And she's like, no. She's just girls or watching a horror movie. I'm like, okay, just just so I know, make sure you have your phone on. But again, though, that's that's the accountability. Like you have to be accountable for how much you drink, for who you mm-hmm. spend your time with, for where you go. And not that if you choose to go to a, a, a place maybe you shouldn't have been and something bad happens, that it's your fault. But you need to be accountable for you and for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You need to be aware. And I like what you said about teaching Lexton that it's all about reading the other person and saying, is this person comfortable doing what we're doing? Because if they're not comfortable, then I am in violation of their trust. I'm in violation of their basic humanity. Exactly. By dragging them into something that they are uncomfortable with. And really quickly, sorry. Do it. Tangent. So it was, it was, uh, is it 1A on NPR? Uh, Joshua what is his name? I'm just totally blanking on everything. Anyway, they were talking about um, survivors of sexual assault, and they were getting into the, psych- the psychology of it. And there was a woman who wrote a story about her own sexual assault. And she's always downplayed it because she and her friends have talked about being in situations similar to the one that she got herself into. And he asked her, Joshua Johnson, is that his name? God, fuck, Honestly, we'll I'm figure not it sure. out. He asked her, he said, would you describe, can you tell us what happened to you if, if you don't, if you are comfortable doing so? And she's like, yeah, no problem. And she described her encounter and I almost had to pull a car over because it was almost identical to what happened to me, except that she was drunk and he was drunk. I was sober and he was sober. Okay. So you, so in both situations, the two people were quote unquote equal headed. Yeah. Okay. And you, we both went into the situation consensually, and then it turned non-consensual very rapidly and without our knowing what was happening. And we are so conditioned as women and in the, like, in the terror and trauma of the moment of what was happening to me, I did not know what to do. I had never been educated to say, you need to stop what you're doing because this is horrifying. I don't even know what you're doing. You didn't ask permission to do what you're doing. And I just stayed completely silent and still emotionless. And he should have read that. 
Like if he had been at all, and he was completely sober. And if he had read that moment and read that I had gone completely, basically dead, he would have known that I was saying no, but like I couldn't even voice it because I had not been taught to. And she was, she said that she felt the same way. She's conditioned. Like we're conditioned as women to please. We're conditioned like Dr. Ford was to be like, I wish I could be more helpful in my testimony and I'm sorry that I can't. Right. Well, and, and men should be conditioned to read the room, read the room. I mean, leave your own personal headspace and understand what's going on. And I think that's, I mean, that's a, a whole nother piece of this is that, you know, no means no and yes means yes, but yes can change to no. And then it's no. Like if they said yes an hour ago and now they're saying no, it's no. It doesn't matter what they said. Mm-hmm. Like at all. It's irrelevant. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person or anything. It just means no. Like that's what it means. And that can change. It's important for mothers of of daughters, I think, to empower our daughters to say no. To empower our daughters to say, this is what I want and this is what I don't want. And that is very scary for a lot of women to say those things. It's very scary still for me years later. Like I even went to therapy last week for the first time in a year and over what I thought was one thing. And she looked at me after I told her what was going on with me. And she's like, it's not that Heather, Heather, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Heather, you're not expressing what you want. You're not saying what you need. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Am I doing that again? (laughs) I've paid for how many years of therapy? And it's very scary. It can be very scary for a woman to say, no, no, I don't want this. Because we're hurting their feelings or we're we're being brash or we're acting like Judge Kavanaugh and screaming. A woman would never have gotten away with that testimony, by the way. Well, and that's a a good point. Like, empower them, teach them that they have the right to say no. That doesn't mean that the responsibility is theirs. But let them know that they don't have to always please. They don't have to always go along with what's happening. They can say no. Yeah. And then it's up to the men and the boys to understand what that word means. And it's up to parents to teach them what it means, that it's okay for a woman to say no. Yeah. Well, to even understand body language and to understand that you're making someone uncomfortable. Um, Women are, well, I'm no expert, but... Like I, Lita's really, really, really good about like realizing when someone's uncomfortable. And I think a lot of women are very empathetic that way is realizing, oh, I've made you uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Let's stop this. Or I'm so, 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 so sorry. Like teaching boys how to like read body language and signals from other people about their comfort level is I think something that parents of boys need to instill in them. Absolutely. And it's, it's a weird thing to teach because it's, it's something it's hard to describe because it's different for every person, you know, their response to discomfort. So it's, it's hard because you can't say when a happens, you do B because there's an infinite number of A's, Mm -hmm. you know? So you have to just, you have to really be kind of constantly aware of that changing dynamic. Right. And it's all about getting outside of yourself. I mean, it sounds weird, but that's really what it is. 
is letting yourself get outside of your own head, you know, kind of pulling back and, and looking at the situation. Well, and I, I also think that this comes down to how you and I want to parent and what we've talked about many, many, many times before, which is we're raising our kids to, to be good people. And part of that is recognizing that we share this world with other people. We share our space with other people. We share, you know, we share a, a sink with other people. Like it, we share dishes with other people. We, we are, we're going to get, we're going to be in a dorm room and we're going to share a dryer with other people. Right. Right. What makes you a good human is understanding the needs of other people and weighing their needs against your basic humanity as well. And, having a mutual respect there. Like that's, we're trying to raise our kids to be empathetic. It's both needs and then just general actions, like weighing your needs against the needs of others. And then just being aware of how your actions affect someone else. Mm -hmm. Not on a need basis, but just in general, how does how I'm acting impact the people in this room or the people with me? Mm-hmm. Am I, am I alienating my, am I alienating them? Am I making them uncomfortable? Am I providing them comfort that they kind of need right now? Cause I'm reading their body language and it looks like this person might need somebody to talk to. Right. I guess I call it common. I know it's not common sense, but I call it that way because if you do just take the time to pay attention, it is incredibly obvious when someone is not comfortable. It's even incredibly obvious when someone is uncomfortable, but trying very hard to act like they're comfortable. Like that, that's, that's easy to read in a room with people in a group just hanging out and incredibly easy to read in an intimate situation. And it's incredibly easy to get caught up in a, in a culture where that, that shit doesn't matter. You know, exactly. it doesn't matter. Let's get drunk. Who cares about their feelings? Right. We're getting into Yale anyway. So what? Right. right. And then alcohol gives you that ability to, to not be accountable. It wasn't me. It was the alcohol. I was drinking. I have to derail for just a second because this has been, this is a very minor and petty thing. But all of these like calendar entries are from when he was 17, right? Uh-huh. What kind of 17-year-old <laughs> keeps a fucking calendar like that? Honestly, I don't care where you're from or where you're going. I don't want to hang out with you if that's what you're doing <laughs> at 17. I, I, I'm 34. I don't even keep a calendar like that. He, he talks in his testimony. John Oliver pointed this out and I was, la- I was I couldn't. I was laughing so hard last night watching this. In his testimony, he, he does. Oh, my God. The way he talks and the way he starts to cry and sniffle his nose. Oh, yeah. I his heard about dad, that. his dad started keeping calendars in 1978. And I, I just remember the Christmases. We would sit around and he, he would share his entries and his calendars. Oh, and God. John Oliver's like, wait a minute. In 1978, <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh would have been 13 years old. I can't imagine a creepier Christmas than sitting around <laughs> reading my calendar to my 13-year-old boy. Fuck. <laughs> right. That just doesn't, I, 
And then he said he's crying about these calendars and he's talking about it as if his dad is long past, except that his dad was sitting right behind him in the in the room. <laughs> oh god. Ah. If it if it's if if it's not clear to anybody at this point where we come down on this issue, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's creepy. But that's really interesting. Like, granted, it's bullshit, whatever. But that he he is aware, claims to be aware of how important those calendar entries were to his dad. Right, like he knew they were important, which means he can read a fucking room. Yeah, like he can read another person and say, "Wow, this really matters to this person." So clearly, he's got the ability to do it. You just have to carry that through to all parts of life. And I mean, and then then really what it comes down to is probably his view of women in general. Like, yeah, yeah I can read a room, but it's just a woman. So, eh, doesn't matter. Eh. I mean, gah. I'm 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 so glad that these conversations are happening and that these things are coming out. I'm not glad that that people like you or your mom or the millions of other women are having to relive this stuff that has happened to them. I wish these conversations had been possible 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago so that no one had to relive something from 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 because we should be able to have these conversations. Well, we now are. And we we now are, exactly. We now are, yes. I've had more conversations about sex and accountability and body autonomy with Lita than... My mother, my mother never talked to me about sex. All I knew about sex was from a book that had illustrations. It had a cow in it, oh, and I think a couple what? of dogs. Yeah. Oh wow. That's all I ever knew about sex. Yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll end. We'll we'll end on a funny note, I guess. The kids had gone down. Was it Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday night. We had gone upstairs to watch a show that we were watching, and the kids were all watching a show downstairs, which was ostensibly like a rated, all ages, perfectly fine show to watch. And there was a very awkward moment when, I don't even remember how it got brought up, but A-N-A-L or something got brought up in a sexual sense. Okay. And it was just it was just the letters A N A L. Oh, okay. I was word. wondering why you were spelling it. Yeah, it was the, just the letters appeared on the screen. Gotcha. And when that happened, when that happened, Lita and Cowboy's son like got really really uncomfortable because they knew they had two kids in the room who would have no idea what that meant. So they turned it off immediately. We had like and Lita was just like that was not supposed to happen because they're watching a kid show. And so I'm putting Marlo to bed and she's like, I need to, I'm really confused and I feel really stupid because they were laughing and I don't get it. But, and she spells, she's like anal or something like that. And I was like, oh, anal, anal. (laughs) And then I was like, oh my God, what? And I said, hold on one second. So I got, I got off her bed and mind her, mind you, her bed is a, one of the top bunk beds that just because her room is so small so i have to climb down out of her bed creaking and i walk into lita's room and i'm like what happened and she's like i don't know it's out of nowhere like the show was going along fine and it was funny and then all of a sudden out of nowhere this sexual joke was made and they spelled the word a-n-a-l on the screen and we both like shut it off immediately she's like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm like no it's not your fault it's okay 
And so I went back into Marlo's room and I'm like, okay, what do you want to know? <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. What do you want to know, kid? Let's do this. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Those are, yeah. I've, mm-hmm. with, with Lexan, I mean, I, I do the exact same thing as, as you've done with your girls. Just talk to me. Like the only issue I will ever have is if you hide something. Yeah. As long as you talk, then it's fine. But I've started when he comes with a question, and I might have mentioned this before, but I'm like, okay, I will answer that. But you need to fess up and tell me what you know. Because I think you can fill in some of the blanks already. And the first couple times I did that, he's like, no, 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 no. And finally, I just sat there quiet, and he's like, okay, well, here's what my friends have been saying. All right. (laughs) So, you know, and that's, I told him like, it's, it's fine that, you know, you can just come up and say, I know a, B and C, is that true? I'm like, yes, that's true. You know, it's just, it's more efficient. Just mm-hmm. tell me, tell me what you know about an all. <laughs> and I also think that helps set the boundaries. Like you, then yeah. you kind of are like, oh, okay. So I only have to explain 10% of this right now. Right. She, she said, you know, after I explained a few things to her, I said, listen, you know, um, I said sex, actually use the word sex. Sex is a beautiful thing. And it's a wonderful thing when shared between two people who really are are into each other and and want to share that experience with each other. And um, holding hands is a beautiful thing. And kissing is a, is, can be a wonderful thing. And she's like, really? Cause all the boys at school talk about how gross kissing is. <laughs> I Lexton is like, still kind of there. So I'm, <laughs> I get it. Yep. Yeah. That's a hard, that's what I've about everything that has come up. And sometimes he'll even start. He's like, I have a question. It's really gross. <laughs> and it's not. I and know. I tell him every time I'm like, for you to think it's gross right now is, is probably normal. I'm like, it's fine. You can feel however you want about it. And I said, it might change and it might not, but mm-hmm. you know, you need to react to it. However. And that, that was kind of what I think triggered my whole conversation. Like if something is gross or not right for you, you don't have to do it. Like, yeah. Bottom line. doesn't matter if everyone else thinks it's great. You don't have to. But man, some of these conversations, <sighs> I won't even get into the funny. Last night, I was cackling so hard at what she was saying to me. She was hysterical. I'll just say that the apple didn't fall from the tree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Because she started launching into, what about a man and a man? What about a woman and a woman? What about this? What about this? Like, she had questions coming at me. And then she was making, and then she started making logical, like, leaps and I was laughing. I was. I didn't mean to laugh, but she was laughing too, so it was okay. But <laughs> it was. It was good. It was a. It was a good sort of like cleansing laugh after last week. And so, um, which we need sometimes, but it cannot derail the. I can't recommend that John Oliver episode enough. It was so well written. Yeah. I will definitely do that tonight, but especially the the testimony. Especially the testimony. Yeah. Yeah, so we went everywhere all over the place today without getting too too specific. 
We relatively stuck to it, though. I think at some point I'd love to have an expert on to talk about, you know, their take on how to talk about talk to children about this. Because as we were winging it, as we were going along, um, doing what we feel is right, according to our own experiences. So we would love to hear your thoughts on this, even if you disagree, how you're talking to your children about what happened. If you're talking to your children about what happened, how you're coming at an all um, how you're coming at an all how you're coming at an all um, and you can reach us at stories at manicramblings.com and find us online twitter facebook and instagram at manicramblings and patreon yay patreon keeping us up and alive at manicramblings and i think too if 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 anyone maybe you are an expert in this area or if there's a voice a particular voice online or elsewhere that you really like oh yes shout out to nicole nicole i'm i still want to have you on nicole reached out to me we've we've been following each other for quite a while online and she's got three kids and she's like she's got she's like starting conversations and dialogues with them and um, i would love to have her on to see how she's talking to her children about it so definitely but we're always up for recommendations if if you think you know, you have someone in mind that might be a good voice to add, uh, definitely let us know. Um, and we'll check Let's it out do. and see what we can figure out. And until next time, uh, read a room. And if you're making someone uncomfortable, respect their basic humanity. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.